Over the last seven years, I have tried every kind of marketing you can possibly imagine for my business. And I have determined over that time that direct mail has been by far the most profitable marketing channel I have ever tried. And I've spent over a million dollars just testing it out figuring out what works and figuring out what doesn't. And through that time, I've been able to generate over 100 deals per year in my business using direct mail. And now I've created a very small but very powerful mini course on how I utilize direct mail in my business. It explains everything I do from A to Z, and I've made this available to you absolutely free. That's right, no charge, no obligations, just go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail. mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail to find out how you can implement my system in your business and start generating more leads through direct mail. Go check it out. It's absolutely free. I can't wait for you to try it. So for us, that appeal to learn commercial real estate and what that was going to teach us really being in our early 20s at the time and you know hey what are we doing today that's going to serve us knowledge wise you know 15 20 30 years from now you're listening to the just start real estate podcast if you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers you are in the right place and now your host mike simmons all right, thank you for joining me on the show today at Just Start Real Estate. If you're not familiar, you're at the podcast called Just Start Real Estate, where we talk to really awesome real estate investors. We do all kinds of cool Q&As and different things that you can check out throughout the week. Today, I have some celebrities in the real estate world on. I have uh, Sam and Daniel Kwok. They are the Kwok brothers. You may have seen them on YouTube. They have a huge YouTube channel where they talk about real estate and finance and all kinds of things. And we got into all of that today. And it was a lot of fun. We talked about raising money. We talked about how to find deals, just all kinds of things uh, that are going to be really, really helpful for you. So I don't want to waste any time. I want to dive in and let you just consume this content. It was a little bit longer of an episode, but well worth it. Chalked full of really, really great actionable stuff. These guys are very transparent and I love that about them. So I give you without any further delay, Sam and Daniel Kwok. All right, guys. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you and an honor. So thanks for doing this. Right on. Yeah. yeah thanks absolutely. for having us, Mike. Yeah, this is going to be a, a lot of fun. Um, I told you before we went live, I really try hard to only interview people that are interesting to me and I think will be interesting to my listeners. And you guys definitely fit the bill. You are incredibly cool. And I, I've went on and, and kind of binged a lot of your YouTube content. So I had a better sense of who you guys were. So we can have a great conversation. But if anybody hasn't checked that out, can you tell them real quick how they can find you on YouTube? We usually do this at the end, but I kind of want to do it now because I don't want to forget. And you guys have such an amazing channel. So how how, how do they find that? Where do they go? Yeah, it's youtube.com forward slash C dash the Quack Brothers, or you could just Google, Google our last name, K W A K, the Quack Brothers, and I mean, we're there. So yeah, yeah, you'll be the first result because you guys are crushing it. All right. So <laughs> let's, let's dive into it a little bit. Um, you know, you guys, you wrote a book, number one, called Zero to 75 Units in One Year. I love that. I just recently wrote a book called Level Jumping, How I Went from Zero to a Million in One Year in Real Estate Investing. So kind of a different but similar kind of a feel. So I, I dig that. But nice. talk to me about the beginnings a little bit. Like you guys started with no money, no credit. And it sounds cl cliche because there's like these late night 
people that used to yeah. be on probably before you guys, you know, Carlton Sheets or whatever, like no credit, no money, like anyone can do this. Tell me a little bit about your situation and what was the catalyst that made you go from where you were to wanting to build something and have something more? Yeah, totally. So um, we started out, I mean, even our background, when we first came to the United States, because we're immigrants to this country, I mean, we we had very little to nothing, right? Uh, and we grew up, uh, you know, broke, poor, impoverished, like whatever adjective you want to come up with. So that was the kind of the situation. And that led us to being, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, being our late teens. Uh, and we were always entrepreneurial. I mean, my brother started a DJ company when he was 18. You know, I was always selling Pokemon cards when I was a kid, yeah. you know, so both of us had that, I guess, entrepreneur gene in us, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, some guys, they have the ability to jump out of the gym and do a 360 dunk, you know, with, without even having ever stepped foot in a lifting gym ever in their life. Right. Uh, and we kind of had the same ability, we feel like, for for entrepreneurship. So um, that's where we were. Um, and and almost with the whole concept of zero to you know 75 units and, you know, uh, no money down, no credit. You know, for us, I mean, we kind of had no option because um, yeah. we didn't have money. We didn't have great credit. So we had to find a way to figure out how to acquire, you know, rental properties and, you know, real estate portfolio in other ways that's almost non-traditional. Yeah. So how old were you? If you said it, I missed it. I'm sorry. How old were you when you came to the States? Uh, I was five. And Sam, you were how old? Yeah, I was seven. Seven okay. years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you came here, you went to school in the States, it sounds like. Um, when you say you had you you had no you had no credit. You didn't have bad credit. You had no. Is that accurate when you started, or did you actually? Okay, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't think you had bad credit. You weren't old enough to have bad credit, really. So you right. had no credit. Which well, honestly, well, no credit sometimes is worse. It's worse, than right? Right. Yeah. Bad credit, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like don't think that wasn't a, a thing. It, it definitely is a little worse. So I, the first question I have, and I'm always interested in this, when you guys started, approximately what year was it? What are we talking about? Uh, 2015. Okay. Is yeah, 2015 when we started? Yeah. Okay. So there's tons of stuff on uh, HGTV and all these channels of flipping. What made you guys decide to go with you know more of a passive real estate? When I say passive, I mean like cash flow, yeah. right? Like rentals, as opposed to flips or wholesaling or something else. Why did you go that direction? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Go, go, on, go? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so no, we we've done the whole fix and flip um, route before. I mean, we've we've done a wholesale deal. We've done so like it was like a buffet of like, hey, we want to try everything and anything that gotcha. um, you real estate had to offer. So so far, uh, we've done the whole fix and flip. We've done a wholesale deal, two wholesale deals. We've done um, we we've uh, sold the property in notes. Yeah, and we've done that. Yeah, and um, of course we've been very uh, our lead foot has been rental, uh, especially multifamily rental. So um, the, the whole idea of continuous stream of income, right? Because like, let's say um, I, I've, for some reason, I'm hospitalized for several months, right? If, if I stop flipping, I lose my income. Yeah. But my rentals being managed by a team and, and it, you know, right? And they're collecting the rent for me and it, it, it gets deposited in a bank account. Money's always going to be flowing in. So uh, it just it was no brainer to go all in on, on buying rentals, multifamily is, and, and I know there's a lot of people like, well, I'm going to wholesale and fix and flip. And then I'm going to go and start buying multifamily. And like, you know what? Screw that. We're just going to go right to buying multifamily and we figured it out. So yeah. yeah. 
Good. So that leads into a couple of questions that I have. First of all, I just want to say I love the attitude of if I want to end up in multifamily, why shall I why should I go these different routes first? Like I'm gonna flip the wholesale. I love it when you say that I want to be in multifamily and go straight for multifamily. Why would I screw on? I tell people that all the time. It's like, hey, yeah. I want to have a, a rental portfolio, but I think I need to start with wholesaling and then I need to go to flipping. And it's like right. Why are you going all these weird directions? Just go straight toward what you want. So I love that. Yeah. So, uh, so your book. Let's just start there for a minute. Zero to seventy-five units. Are those? With, I, I saw your trailer on your on your um, on YouTube, and it, I think if I have this correct, your seventy-five units were multifamily units. It was like eight units here, thirty units here, kind yeah. of a thing to get you seventy-five. Right. Why not have seventy-five single-family homes? Why why multifamily? Yeah, no, great question. So by the way, it's not actually 75. It's actually closer to like 83. But um, Sam Sam uh, was like, no, that's not marketable. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. I and, love that. And, and between that's the two great. of us, he's definitely more of like the marketing natural. You know, like, he's the marketing brain, right? He's the marketing genius behind. Well, you know what, though? It's Here's the thing, though. It, you didn't say, hey, we really did 75 or we really did 65, but we're going to say 75 because it's more marketable. That's That right. sounds like lying. When you say I did yeah. 83, but I'm only saying 75, that sounds like modesty, right? So I sure. love it. It's great. But at the end of the day, it's like whether it's 75 or 83, it's like it's, just, it's still... <laughs> Good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still yeah. a great number. Right. Um, but no, we we chose we chose multifamily because for for one, you know, obviously the economies of scale. You know, I mean, if you're able to buy uh, one property that has eight streams of income in it, then yeah. it's almost the equivalent of buying eight properties at the same time. Uh, for me personally, I don't know what Sam would say, but uh, for me personally, I like the idea of the fact that when you analyze multifamily deals. Um, you analyze it from a much more numerical and analytical perspective. When you're doing a single family house, you're collecting comps. You have to consider about the person living in there. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe it's Mr. and Mrs. Jones who's lived there for 35 years and Johnny just went off to college and they have a, a, a large emotional attachment to the house. Yeah. You know? um, and so for, for us, right? I was like, well, if we do multifamily, it's going to be more, more business. It's going to be more business oriented. It's going to be more analytical. And for for us, I mean, real estate is not the end all be all. You know, I mean, even even our portfolio, I'd say a good bulk of of the assets and the value actually come from the businesses that we own, not actually the real estate. Um, And I tell people all the time, it's like you know, learning how to invest and learn and underwrite uh, multifamily property um, in commercial real estate. It's a lot like learning the piano before you learn any other instrument. You learn how to analyze an income stream. You learn how to assess the risk, the red flags, analyze the markets, understand present value versus future value. You know, yep. you learn all these different things. Um, and sure, you can learn that in single family, but not really at the level you can learn it in commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. So for us, that appeal to learn commercial real estate and what that was going to teach us, really being in our early 20s at the time, and you know, hey, what are we doing today that's going to serve us knowledge-wise? you know, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah. I mean, for for me, at least, it was a no-brainer, you know? Yeah. How much of your success early on... And by the way, I, I've heard, you know, you did all this before you were like 24, 23. How old are you guys now? Give me a sense. Of, are you guys like like 50 now? And this was something you did so long ago. How old are you guys now? Are you still mid-20s? Like early... I mean, uh, mid to uh, late 20s? Well, yeah. Oh, well, this is my last year as, as being in the... Being in the 20s. So okay. I, I will... I will live it up. Now, 
I will now transition to thirties uh, okay. by the end of the year, but okay. no, uh, I'm still, yeah, late twenties. I'm trying to make, okay. I'm make, milking it all for all it's got, man. It's- <laughs> how much of your early success, and, and this is maybe, maybe you've never considered this, or maybe it's a dumb question, but how much yeah. of your early success do you attribute to your age? Because most people look at it and go, oh wow, they were in their early twenties. That's amazing. It must have been so hard. But it, what was the upside of being in your early twenties or being so young? Was there an upside? Yeah. I don't think I, there is. Um, no, I think there is. I, I, here's why I think there is. Because, like, I think by the time you get to fifty, and and I don't, I don't know how you, how old you are, Mike. So I'm not going to make any judgment how here. How old do I look? How old do I, I, I don't look? Know. I want to seventeen. There you go. Come on. <laughs> yeah, how old do I look? I want to know. I'll, 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 I'll be honest. I'll, be, I'll say forty-five. I'll okay. say forty-five. Late forties. Late forties. Fifty-one. Yeah. yeah. Fifty-one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you look okay. Great, there man. you go. Rock and so, roll. Cool. So here's the thing, though, right? Because like when when you hit 40s and 50s, you've seen so much of life that like yeah. you've you've been burned and you've been scarred to where like you have these natural guardrails that are built. Like so, as soon as you see risk, you're like, whoa! Like I don't want to get involved in that, right? So and plus, like you know, when you're married and you have kids and you, you know you're dealing with a lot more responsibilities, uh, you got to be accountable accountable to, for those things. Not a, you know aren't bad. I mean, I'm married, I have kids, but, but not bad things. But like. When we first got started, I was 22, 23. Um, yeah, 22. I, zero responsibility. I didn't see enough of, li- enough of life to say, oh, that sounds dangerous. Or, oh, yeah. that sounds... like To me, yeah. everything was, wow, we got to do it. We got to try it. We got to go all out, right? Of yep. course, we've made mistakes. We've, we've gone through those. But not. I think not having that auto response of like, oh my gosh, like, I can't be doing this or this is too much work, I think really helped us. So when we were still... When we had the, the the drive, the energy, and passion, we built all the systems and built everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was a bless, a major blessing. Yeah, I would I would disagree probably because I would I'm sorry I would respectfully disagree because at the end of the day, <laughs> like I don't I think even if you're 50 or 60, like you're still able to start and build a successful sure. real estate investing career. At the end of the day, like the money doesn't care how old you are. What yep. the, what it does respond to is responds to action steps. You know, yeah. that's what it really at the end of the day responds to because. Um, I, I would even say like, sure, you know, let's say you are 45 or 50 years old or six, maybe even 60 years old and you have kids and you have all these things you need to take care of and you're only able, able to allocate, let's say even eight hours a week. Whereas somebody who's 22, maybe would allocate, you know, closer to 30 hours a week. Right. Well, I would actually tell that 60 year old, Hey, you don't actually have as much of a disadvantage as, as you, as you think. Cause I remember when I first got married, I was worried. I was like, Oh man, like is, is our business, is our real estate investing business going to go down? Am I not going to raise as much capital or, you know, yeah. do as much deals? Cause you know, um, cause now I, I have to like go home. I can't work 12, 14 hours anymore and just eat Chipotle every day. Like I, I can't do that. Um, and, and we actually, uh, ended up doing better and I actually ended up being more productive because I was in a situation where, hey, I don't have all the time in the world. I really have to learn how to be efficient here. Yeah. Um, I, and I tell even our coaching clients and the students that we work with, look, I'd rather have you go 40 miles an hour in the right direction than have you go 120 miles per hour in the wrong direction. Right. Because going in the wrong direction, it, it hurts a lot of people. It hurts you. It wastes a lot of time. And ultimately, it's actually going to take you longer to get to your goals than if you were going 40 miles an hour in the right direction. Yeah. So, at, at the end of the day, I, you know, to, to, so the, for the people listening that are 67 years old, you know, don't honestly, it's, it's never too late to start. No, I totally agree with that. But I, I hear you, Sam. I hear what you're saying. The one thing that I was wondering, and you did say it, is when you're young like that, 
sometimes you don't know that you should be a little cautious or a little afraid, or maybe somebody who's in their 40s, while I totally agree with you, I was in my late 30s when I started, mid to late 30s, um, you can totally do it. <clears throat> but sometimes when you have a lot to lose, you, yeah. you take different risks. And sometimes you're not willing to do something that you kind of should do because you're kind of afraid you're going to lose what you have. So I think there's pros to it. There's certainly yeah. cons. There's some drawbacks. I remember when I was in my early 20s, um, I wasn't doing real estate. But even in, in business, I just felt like people looked at me like I was a kid. And I felt like that was a real... I, I always thought, man, in 20 years, like they won't act this way around me. They're going to look at me differently when I'm older because I'll look more like them. right? So mm-hmm. there's pros and cons both ways. So... Okay. And I know you guys like this is a real estate show, but anyone who listens to my show regularly knows I go down rabbit holes when I'm interested of something, whether it has to do with real estate or not. And and this does have to do with real estate in a way, but I'm wondering, you guys build up this this uh, multifamily, this passive income, and you have other interests and other things. Like you said, it's not the end all be all for you. Why did you start a YouTube channel and how far into your real estate journey did you start it? And what was the reason and who came up with the idea? Yeah, honestly, it was it was a product of a product of an accident, and I wouldn't say it was like 100% accident, but I think I think um, so. One of the tendencies that I have is uh, I I just love sharing. I I, I love sh- um, you know for the for the lack of better term, showing off, right? So when I learn something, it's just in my nature to go share it, teach it, and assume authority. Like I think is I think uh, you know both Daniel and I were born with certain traits of leadership where like we we want to go find our audience and lead them and help them and, and serve them. Yeah. So like this was back in 2013, I, I would say I started actually like a lot of people think, oh Sam, you started your YouTube channel back in 2013, 2014. Really, like the my my passion for video um really started in middle school. So like I remember um uh, buying like the buying our first webcam ever. I mean, this is like 2000, gosh, 2006 or 2007. And I thought like this whole concept of buying a webcam and like doing videos and stuff was really cool. And then I started getting to editing and then high school, I was part, I was part of like the, the, the high school news, news, clu- uh, news club. And I was like right. the chief editor. Right. And then, and I learned a lot of just like just video editing, shooting and all that. And then, uh, and it was, after I came back from the military and we started our, our DJing businesses when we started uh, putting things on video. And then uh, when our interest for real estate started to develop around 2014 is, is when we started sharing content on YouTube, you know, okay. things like what book should you, should you read? Like you, you could totally go back to our first YouTube video ever. It's like super embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> but, and it's kind of funny in the same way. Uh, but it was kind of an accident. Cause again, like we just start, we just love sharing. Like we just had to make yeah. videos about it. And then one video took off and that was about, that was a video about how to pay off your mortgage in as early as five to seven years. It just like, no, middle, no, like all I remember, like, I got an email from YouTube saying, congratulations, you qualify for the partnership program. I'm like, what is that? And then they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, and, and they're like, oh, you can get paid to put videos on YouTube. And then I remember getting a hundred dollar check from YouTube. I'm like, Holy crap! Like <laughs> we need to keep doing more of this. So like that's when we got serious in 2015, started releasing videos, and then it wasn't really till like the last two years I think we picked up steam, and then we're all in on YouTube now. But yeah, that's kind of the story on on how we got started on YouTube and like like the, the epiphany that we had like in that in that journey. 
Yeah, I, I was just when I was looking at your channel before we hopped on here, before I met you guys, I saw that how to pay off your mortgage in five to seven years got 3.6 yeah. million views. That's amazing. Yeah. Just, that's crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So you so the I guess really what I was wondering is, did you start the YouTube channel after you had had some success in real estate and you were like, we're going to leverage this to find mm -hmm. investors like it wasn't necessarily a strategic business move. It was more yeah. you just like doing it and, and it was natural for you. Yeah. And what's crazy is like we I mean, we haven't done any deals uh, when we had our YouTube channel. It was just us going to workshops, seminars, training, courses, books, and, and just regurgitating it and documenting what we were learning. That's yeah. that's all it was, right? Like, hey, we just learned how to do owner financing today. Here's what it was. Here, you know, we want to share it. But when we did that, is we started building authority and we started building um, a voice, and and people noticed, right? Yeah. And it, this is kind of a chicken and egg, chicken or the egg situation. But having a YouTube channel and social media presence definitely helped us uh, raise capital, which is something that Daniel can talk about more, helped us find more deals, helped us uh, build more legitimacy behind what we do. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot. So yeah, I mean, I think without the YouTube channel, I definitely would not have been as successful as, you know, we looking back, right? So um, it been really critical to okay. our business. Yeah. So I do want to talk about raising capital, but let's just one more point on the YouTube thing. I'm just curious. Yeah. How much of your YouTube success? I, I get how you started. It was a passion. You love video. You just wanted to share. I totally get that. How much of your YouTube now or in the recent months or last year or so has been a calculated, this is what people are searching for. We need to do five videos a week because the algorithm likes more. Like, mm -hmm. how much do you think about the growth of your channel versus? Hey, we're just going to do talk about what we want to talk about. If whatever happens, happens. Yeah, it's it's actually extremely intentional. So we've hired yeah. two different YouTube coaches. I mean, we spent tens of thousands of dollars, I think, on. Yeah, I mean, just bettering our channel, whether it's investing into the channel. I mean, it's a lot. We have weekly meetings. We have a staff. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely extremely intentional. I mean, kudos to those people who. Like they just use an iPhone, right? And they shoot a video and they get millions of views. Like that's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Like, yeah. you know, definitely keep doing that, you know? Um, but for us, at least, you know, like we we have a certain approach that we take to business and we we yeah. take that same approach to YouTube. And it's not ultimately for for money, right? It's not it's not to get clicks or it's not to get views. Um, you know, Sam and I, we're, we're very different, you know? And I think God engineered us that way, right? Because it's, you know, uh, that way we can compliment one another. Um, I'm, I'm the type of guy where it's just like, I'm not going to share anything unless I'm asked. Right. And like, I'm not going to share anything unless I've, I've done it and I've proven yeah. it. And I've, you know, it's been years since, and I can actually speak from a, a place of experience as opposed to like knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, sure. but at the same time, obviously, you know, the intentionality of having a channel and documenting the journey, um, that's, that's obviously extremely rewarding. And that's the standard that we have for whether it's our channel or business or whatever it may be. Um, it's just we try to do it at the highest level. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I love it, and I'm glad. I'm, I mean, I'm really kind of glad that you said it's. You know, you guys have a very intentional uh, approach to your channel at this point because it's growing great. And I would hate to think that. Well, I, in a way, I'd be envious if you're like, I don't know, we just throw stuff up and everyone loves it and it keeps growing. But I get it. At some point, it becomes something you have to focus on. What is the best and worst part of working with a sibling, with working with each other? <laughs> I don't know if you guys like fought growing up or whatever. Oh, like, yeah, I've fought a ton. Okay, oh, yeah. So yeah, what's yeah, the I'll, best I'll part and the worst part about it? Oh man, I'll let you go first, and I'll, and I'll go on. I'll go second. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the best part is like, no matter what, like we're gonna be brothers, and it's it's kind of like I hate using this analogy, but it's like a, a marriage that you can't like divorce, right? Like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're like stuck forever. So 
I think part of that like forced us to 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 uh to be better in our relationship. Cause like we if we were completely strangers, we could have just said like in the middle of the relationship, we would have just thrown our hand and said, like, screw it, like you do your thing, I do my thing, like right. But I think like we we worked it out to where um I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there were a lot of conflicts and a lot of friction, but I think in that friction, we learned how to communicate. We learned how to let our guard down, be transparent, to be honest, to be vulnerable. Uh, I mean, so that I think helped us a lot. I mean, what what does suck is that you, got, you have to be careful not to like have that business relationship bleed into a brother relationship, right? Because then yeah. like now you just lost what it means to be brothers and, and now just business partners. So there, yeah. so I, we kind of have to put, put two hats on sometimes where like, Hey, we're just having fun. We're brothers, but at the same time, like, we got, we got to get serious and we got to get work done. So yeah. uh, that's kind of the pros and cons I see. Gotcha. Yeah. I'd say it's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, cause like I've met people who are like, Oh, like never get into business with your family. Right. Like, yeah. and, and then I've met people who are like, Oh yeah. Like I've been partners with, you know, my mom or my dad or my brother for you know, 35 years. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's definitely a double-edged sword, right? Like the the pro is that, you know, obviously you guys complement one another because a lot of times when you meet siblings, they're they're very different, right? Yeah. In personality and how they think and what they're naturally good at, yeah. you know. Um, and so I mean that's a pro, but at the same time, like that's that's also a con, right? Like yeah. not being, you know, not being compliment or uh, I'm sorry, being complimentary, being on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, because it's it's tough too, right? Because like even with with business relationships, like there's a lot of personal things that could bleed into the personal and then vice versa. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, there's like, Oh, like there's something that he did when I was nine years old that like, you know, that psychologically messed with me. And then, you know, and that like bleeds into decisions like, you know, so, um, so, I mean, I'd say it's, it, it is what it is. I think the best advice that I would give to people that are like getting into business in, in terms of being siblings is, you know, really, uh, and as, as weird as it sounds, right. It's just like, you know, get a therapist. You know, it's like because <laughs> yeah. the amount of self awareness and 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 humility and that you have to have to make a sibling partnership in business work, yeah. like it's a lot, right? Yeah. Like it is a lot because again, like as Sam said, if you're just business partners, you're not siblings, you're not, you know, like it's very easy to kind of just go, yeah. all right, whatever, I'm not going to deal with that. But yeah. you know, obviously with Sam and I, it's just like, all right, well, I still have to see you Thanksgiving or like Sunday night at, at dinner or whatever, yeah, you know. Exactly. Um, like your yeah. daughter is my niece, you know, so it's like. It's I, I'd say there's pros and cons, but it's a double-edged sword. Um, yeah. Sam and I certainly, you know, we do our best. I, I like that. Uh, proactively get some therapy. I, I mean, honestly, everything you guys said, I was in business with my wife for um, the first handful of years I was doing this. She decided to back out. It just did. It, it was her personality is not um, not really set for entrepreneurship. It just stressed her out too much. So mm. it was good. It was it was a good break and she was happy and I was happy. But when we were working together, a lot of the pros and cons are very similar. You have to be able to separate, you know, your wife from your business partner, yeah. your brother from your business partner. And, you know, she's going to be there at night when we have dinner. So if things aren't going well, I'm, I'm going to be in the same room with her regardless. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of the same stuff. I think that's really smart. Everything you guys said was, was hit home with me for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the raising money. I know you guys have a bunch of businesses and one of them is uh, about raising capital. It's, it's a business where you guys raise capital. Again, we've already kind of, and this is you guys lean into this pretty good in your YouTube channel. You are young. So how were you guys and slash are you guys able to raise money? What's your strategy? How do you do that? Because in real estate, I'm sure you hear this all the time. You guys have students, you're in the industry. Two of the things that I hear every single day in, in my life from people in real estate are, I can't find any deals 
and there's no money. Like those are the universal challenges that people think they have. We we both, all of three of us probably can agree. Neither one of those are true, but those are the two that we hear. So how do you guys, how did you guys start raising money? And, and how do you go about that now? What do you tell people who say, I need to raise money. I don't have any money for deals. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say probably the same approach into finding deals. Um, like I'm a big believer. It's like once you find that universal law of success that works for you in that business, like you apply that to every single little thing. So mm-hmm. even with finding deals, I I tell our clients all the time. It's like, look, like you don't you don't look for properties. You look for people. Is what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you just meet with the people and you build relationships with the people. You find the people that happen to have the property. And it's the same thing with raising capital. Like when you're raising capital, you're not actually raising capital. You're you're looking to build relationships with the people who have the capital. Yeah. Is what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I, you know, for for us, right? Like we raised millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in our career, and we did it. You know, I'm 27 now, so I I had to do it. You know, being in my early to mid 20s, and a lot of people will say that it's a negative. I've all I found for me, I, I guess this is like a toxic trait of mine, but I've just found ways to turn everything into a positive. Yeah. Everything. Like I had an investor have a really honest conversation, and I have multiple of these conversations where it's like, hey, like, can I can I address something? Can I be direct with you? Like, I'm a little hesitant. The fact that you get, you're young, you're 24 years old, you're 23 years old, and you know you're 25 years old, whatever. And uh, I tell people like, well, I get it, I understand, but you know, uh, one of the things I tell them is we have accomplished something that we've accomplished something that not even 40, 50, 60 year olds can do. You know, yeah. uh, it takes them 20, 30 years, and we've done it in three. Yeah. So if that's the case, like, why wouldn't you want to? You know, like I don't know about you, but I want to invest with the entrepreneur who figures out how to do something in three years that it takes yeah. most people 30 years to do. Yeah. Like for me, that's what I want, you know. And mm-hmm. I make a little joke too. Like I always find humor is a really good way to like ease tension. But I'll say, like, look, the benefit is like you know your money's safe with me the next 40, 50 years, because I'm not I'm not going anywhere, right? Like <laughs> I'm gonna be around in 40, 50, 60 <laughs> yeah. years. So your money, I'm gonna keep the, I'm gonna do this for your kids, you know. And so um yeah. it, it eases the tension a little bit, but uh initially. Like I thought it was an obstacle. I thought it was a hurdle, but I I personally feel like the only power that hurdles and obstacles have is what you allow it to have. Yep. You know, and that's the reality of entrepreneurship. Whether you're old or young, you're gonna have hurdles either way. So yeah. I, yeah. It, you know what? People use excuses about, you know, my age or where I grew up or my parents were divorced, whatever it is. But yeah. I, I always tell people, whatever your situation is, I can find you, I promise, someone who had a worse situation who succeeded in a big way. So, you know, it's all it's just excuses. But when you guys, okay, let's just dial back. You guys talk to new investors. When a new investor comes to you and says, I want to raise money, I get it from a high level. Treat it like you do finding houses, like theoretically that you're 100% right about that. But like, what do you tell them like tactically? Like, I need to raise money. Do I go on Facebook? Do I start talking about my business? Do I just try to like bring people in that way? Do I go to meetups? Do I go to conferences? Are there, is there a website I can go to where like people want to invest in real estate that I can put my deals on? Like tactically, what would be the first thing you would tell someone to do? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Sam has his answer, but my answer, and I've, I've tried this and seen this many, many, many times, you know, um, I always tell them answer three questions, right? Number one, what is your product? Like most people, at the end of the day, raising capital is sales. Like, let's just call it what it is, right? Like it's sales. But the product happens to be a combination of three things. You, 
your strategy and your blueprint on how you're going to navigate the investment market. And number three, your asset. What is your deal that you're trying to get them to get involved with? Right. So that's yeah. that that's the three things that make up your product. And at the end of the day, you're trying to sell that product to that individual. Um, I, I tell people all the time, like, I'm not a great sales guy. I consider myself to be a good salesperson. I'm not a great salesperson, but I'm really, really good at creating scenarios where people want to buy um, and not necessarily, you know, try to sell them and get them to say yes. Right. Um, Because I have no interest. I have no interest in, you know, persuading somebody who wants a quick return on multifamily that has a seven-year lockup period. You know, like I have no interest in that. Um, So three questions is number one, what is your product? Number two, who is your ideal client? As in who are the individuals that are going to resonate the most with that product? And number three is how does that jive with what's happening in the marketplace right now? Uh, Because you can have the best product all you want and you can have the best investors that align with your strategy to a T. But if it doesn't align with what's happening in the market, then you're kind of screwed, you know? Um, so I say answer those three questions. If you do that, things get a lot easier for you. Because most people that I ask that, you know, that ask me that question, like Daniel, how do I raise capital? Well, number one, I say, look at those, well, look at what the focal point is of that question. It's I, right? Um, but secondly, it's because you know, you don't you don't even know what you're selling. Like you you just like yeah. most people just say, Oh, I just want, I just want capital. I just want people who have money. Um, and you're an experienced guy. We're experienced guys. I could tell you, you don't want to take every investor. Um, I want the right ones, you know? Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of share with how we, you know, how we got our first capital raise. Again, a lot of this stuff is kind of, kind of accidental, which is kind of crazy how like, you know, when, when you line the pieces up, it just kind of happens. But like, I remember, I remember, um, Kind of around the same time when we started our YouTube channel, I I started putting, we started going around again. I just love sharing. I don't know what it is. Like like you tell me something, I'll share it. Like just just how it works. But <laughs> note to I, self, don't tell Sam secrets. Exactly. Tell me yeah. I'll share it. I mean, unless you tell me, like please don't tell anybody, right? Then I'll I, I'll I'll honor it. But yeah. like uh, right around the same like same time when we started our YouTube channel, um, even with our my Facebook Facebook profile, um, I would go and and just. I didn't care if I had the money or not. I just went and started looking at properties mm-hmm. and started uh, doing like property tours, uh, doing walkthroughs, um, and just uh, just showing up, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to also in my brain, I'm like, if I can get any anywhere near closer to goals, so just physically be there, right? I know I can I can make it manifest itself. Um, so we keep going all these properties, and I started taking photos of us doing these property tours and walkthroughs on on the phone took the photos and I, and I would take a selfie and I would just post it on Facebook. And I would say something like, Hey guys, like, you know, Daniel and I are looking at this deal right now. And just by our analysis, we think, we think we can make X amount of dollars. Um, and, and, you know, pretty much that's, that's what we shared like time and time and time again. And I think it was uh, around like three to four months later when we, um, you know, consistently sharing our, our journey and documenting everything. We actually had a family friend who reached out and said, Hey, you know, Sam, I saw that you and Daniel are, are doing real estate. Um, I have like a couple, you know, I have tens of thousands of dollars sitting in my, my, uh, my retirement. It's not doing anything right now. Do you guys have room for a partnership? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, we do. <laughs> so we, yeah. our, our first capital raise was actually $60,000, uh, which, which is exactly what we needed to do our first deal, nice. which was for single family, uh, single family, um, portfolio. And that gave us literally that, that like switch confidence to go, Hey, let's go do that again. We, yep. we figured out the formula and, and that's, that's really how we got started. So 
I love that. I I tell people all the time, you know, when it comes to like trying, like raising money, whatever, the first time you do it, the clarity you get and the like, it's just like, oh, this all sort of makes sense. It all comes together Mm -hmm. and it makes the second time a lot easier. I think that's an awesome story and a great illustration of of exactly how to go about it. And I think that's what I did too, by the way. When I first started raising Mm -hmm. money, I just documented. I documented what I was doing. I went online and talked about it. And same kind of deal. I had a friend come to me and say, hey, can I fund your next deal? Looks like you guys are doing some cool stuff. And I was the same thing. I was like, Yes, you can. So um, I love that, man. I love that a lot. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the market a little bit, right? This has been a real subject for the last couple of years. And um, I've been following different people and like what people are saying about when, you know, when it's going to crash or are we in a bubble and all these things, right? And there's so many people that have been so wrong over the last two years, like it's going to crash in six months or it's never going to crash. Like, what do you guys? And I know we don't have crystal balls, right? So I'm not no. setting you up to be wrong in six months when somebody <laughs> listens to this. However, wh- what are you doing in your business and how are you preparing for the current market and like maybe hedging against some eventualities down the road? Yeah. Daniel? So I say um, between... Uh, I'll, say tw- I'll say that this is a very bold statement. But 2022, okay. I believe, is going to be uh, the greatest year, the best opportunity to raise capital, um, because you have a record amount of people right now that are that are selling off their stock, mm-hmm. they're selling off their cryptocurrency, they're selling off a lot of things, and they're moving towards uh, um, real estate, right? Like, I mean, assets that that hedge inflation. Yeah. Um, so if you're a real estate investor, like 2022 is there. I don't think there's ever going to be a better year, you know, in my lifetime. To raise capital, I mean, you can go back as far as when the first caveman, you know, borrowed a bunch of rocks from the other caveman to buy a spear, right, to hunt right. for the fish. Um, like, there's never been a better time, you know. So, okay. I mean, in terms of what's happening in the market, uh, I think a lot of people underestimate. So, I, I look at a lot of deals, right, and and I get asked by a lot of other individuals to um, help them underwrite a, a, a deal, right, or, or an opportunity. You know, at the end of the day, that's like one of my my favorite skill sets. It's underwriting, you know, opportunities and analyzing income streams and you know, yeah. reading the market and whatnot. So uh, I'm seeing a lot of large syndicators and funds betting on the fact that rent is going to be higher two, three, four, five, six, seven years from now, and then cap rates are going to be lower. So I, I even took a look at this deal where uh, they predicted that the exit cap rate was actually going to be a hundred basis points below what it is today. And I just had a hard time believing in that, uh, a really, really hard time. Because hmm. um, I understand both sides, right? Like, you know, and people are like, well, are you bullish or bearish on multifamily? Uh, yeah. And I have to say, I'm actually kind of bearish for looking at the next 12 to 18 months, you know, because um, I, I understand the case that, hey, interest rates are getting higher. We have a 50 point, you know, 50 basis point increase in the Fed fund rate, which hasn't happened in 20 years, right? Yada, yada. Yeah. And, you know, they believe that it's going to make home affordability, um, uh, much more severe, and then people are going to be forced to rent uh, because of it. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that people are not taking into consideration is if you look at the ratio between wages and income comparison to rentals versus wages and incomes comparison to the average mortgage payment, uh, the uh, ratio of rents 
to income has significantly skyrocketed in comparison to the average mortgage to the average income. So yes, right? I, I get what people are saying there, but we're living in a time where rents are skyrocketing way, way, way faster than the average cost of a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even even my wife and I, our rent currently is twenty two hundred. We got a letter saying they're raising it to thirty four. Uh, so you're so you're talking about a, over a fifty yeah. percent increase Holy in rent. Crap. And you know, I got a very close buddy of mine who we're in business together now, who you know manages tens of thousands of doors, and he's like, "Yeah, that's happening kind of everywhere." Wow. And by the way, we live in the state of Illinois. Where we actually have a minus one point eight percent decrease in population and in net population, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that if that if that's what people are saying about Illinois, I can't imagine uh, what states like Texas, Florida, yeah, you know, I mean Arizona are feeling because I know for a fact that there's large amounts of shadow inventory in those states, and sure. I believe that once inventory resets in the housing market, that's going to push a lot of the Class A tenants back into uh, home ownership. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. And uh, I think a lot of these individuals who are putting tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars towards optimism in multifamily across the country, um, I think there's a lot of things that those people aren't considering. You know, uh, I, I mean, to have a cap rate prediction of seven or five years after that's lower than what it is today. I mean, it's ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous considering the Fed is looking to not only raise the rate but also they're looking to pay off their balance sheet. I mean, that's again, I'm, I'm just looking at the data and forming my own opinions here. So. To, okay, so let me just dumb this down to maybe one one point. This isn't what you were necessarily focused on. I understood what you were saying, but for those of us who have personal homes, like the homes we live in that we own, should we? Can we? Do you think we can expect for values to drop as a result of this? Or with all the shadow inventory that you're talking about, should we expect home values to drop in general? I don't think they're going to crash. Um, I right. think at the end of the day, that's what most people are fearful of, right? Yeah. People are like, oh my gosh, is, am I going to lose my house? You know? Right. Uh, Cause I think most Americans, I mean, I don't think they care what the value of their home is as long as they can stay in it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, the very few people who actually care about what their equity position is in a home and very right. few people of that actually know how to utilize the equity that's in their home <laughs> for, for financial yeah. expansion, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so I, in my opinion, based on what I'm seeing in the numbers, and it's kind of already happening now, um, I think home values are going to decrease back to normalcy. Um, and I think we're actually going to say, see the same thing in rents because, you know, again, it all comes down to wages and income. Has yeah. Have wages and income gone up to support the new financial growth? It has not. Right. And yeah. you see it in the stock market, housing market. You see it in everywhere. A lot of growth has been on speculation and the amount of capital that's been pursuing it, not the actual production itself. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a great point. Very insightful, and I appreciate that. And hopefully, you guys understood what was going on there, um, because that's that's really good stuff. And, and, and nowadays, with the market the way it is, crazy hot, and I can't find deals, and I'm good, I'm selling my rentals, I'm buying rentals. Like I want to get into multifamily. I don't know if I should get multifamily. That's really good advice, and it's really insightful. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. Obviously, you you do study that stuff, and you like it. I can tell. Um, I know you guys have something that you want to give away to the audience, something free. Um, you guys, in the spirit of just kind of being super giving and, and, and leading with value, let's talk about that for a second. What is it that you're giving away to the audience and how can they take advantage of it? Yeah. So we actually put together um, some core, and we've been working on this for, I mean, just little things here and there for three years. So this will be very practical, especially if you're just 
just getting started out in the world of real estate, uh, you know, you haven't done your deal yet, or maybe you have done one deal and you're looking to move on to the next one. Um, we put together a free course. It's called uh, Basecamp. So uh, I'm 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 kind of an outdoors guy. I, I was in the army and I I like you know going out and and shooting things, what things I should be shooting. Um, <laughs> so I love going out there and I, I love like hiking and, and that kind of stuff. So like when I imagine going up the, the mountain, right, you got to have a base camp, right? You got to yep. have some kind of uh, a foundation. So that's exactly why we decided to name it base camp. Uh, this is a great place for you to start. And then this will help you in your, in your journey of, of quote unquote, climbing the mountain, right? Nice. So it's free courses on owner financing, a little bit of raising capital, how to find deals, um, I mean, we, we throw a free book in there. There's a lot of free, free stuff in there. So, uh, to get there, it's courses.thequackbrothers.com. It's courses with an S, uh, plural courses.thequackbrothers.com. And it's, again, it's completely free to sign up. Um, and we're not going to ask you for anything. So, got it. Yeah. Um, and I'll put that, we'll put that in the show notes, guys. So if you're, if you weren't able to write that down, you're on a treadmill, you're driving, whatever, we got you. Just go to um, the show notes and you can get that uh, link and go and grab yeah. that. That's awesome. Very, very helpful and very valuable. So thanks for doing that, guys. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, any last words, anything you want to leave people with? Any parting thoughts on real estate, business, streams of income, any wisdom that you want to drop before we go? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll say one thing. So I was actually having a conversation with my buddy Brandon, and uh, I won't say his last name because I don't want to come across as the guy who's name dropping or anything like that. But I think you know, I know. Go ahead. Yeah, but he's probably one of the most well-known you know, real estate <laughs> investors and entrepreneurs in today. And and him and I were actually having a conversation just about how to help people, right? And how do we help you know increase the success rate that people do deals and raise capital and you know ultimately just build a better life for their families, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a ripple effect. Yep. And him and I both kind of just came to the conclusion of just like, um, like what would we wish we would have known when we first started? And both of us said the same thing. And both of us wish we would have actually learned more about uh, business organization stuff in the beginning mm. uh, than real estate. Because a lot of people who want to be a real estate investor, they learn how to raise capital, find deals, and underwrite. And those are fantastic things, right? Those are the yep. fundamentals of real estate. Um, but a lot of people forget that when you're, um, in this game, uh, you're not just doing deals. You're you're running a business is mm-hmm. what you're doing. Uh, and the real estate happens to be the asset that the business owns. Yeah. Um, but you know, even just stuff like accounting and finance. Like I'm very lucky, right? That you know my brother is very good at actually structuring and creating the framework for a business. Like having the financial aspect, right? Like he's he's kind of like our CFO around here, right? It's like if you want to write a check for anything, like you gotta you gotta kind of run it through him first, you know. Um, but you know, so I, I've been very lucky with that by having by having him around, being good at stuff like that. Uh, but I think a lot of people just forget that when you're in real estate, you're also running a business too. So yep. just reading a lot of business oriented books. I mean, even even auditing a couple of accounting classes in your local university. Uh, I mean, that just goes a long way. It, it just it, it, there's so many benefits that not only is good for today, but also good for three, five, six years from now. Yep, I love that. I love that. Yeah. You're right. People do. You know, they start in this business in real estate, and what gets you to the first level of doing a few deals and making some money? You know, eventually, if you're not good at running a business, you can either crash and burn, or maybe worse, you end up creating this thing that takes up all your time because you're not structured right. You're running around with chicken your head cut off. You're not efficient, and it becomes kind of a mess. And you're really not always happier than you were with your nine to five. At least a nine to five, for the most part, you can 
mentally check out at five o'clock. If you're running a very disorganized business that has revenue and and worse investors <laughs> that are expecting some sort yeah. of business business mind, it can become very stressful. So I think that's you're 100 right. I think people being a little more educated on business in general would be very, very helpful in the beginning. So I love that. Guys, listen, it's been a true pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you guys are kind of a, a celebrity to me. You, you are, you're very a big name out there and somebody that I was excited to talk to. So thanks for doing this. Thanks for being so transparent. Thank you for the free yeah. giveaway. Like I said, we'll have that link to make it easy for everybody. And guys, just keep crushing it. Keep rocking on and, and creating great content and doing great things and being helpful to people because you're good at it. Yeah, you got it, appreciate Mike. it. All right, guys. Thank you very much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. They were a lot of fun. These guys are awesome. You should check them out on YouTube if you haven't seen them. They have a great channel. They talk about real estate, but they talk about just finance in general, right? And they have a really, really great um, you know, personality and just fun to watch on YouTube. And, and there's just a lot of great info there. And they have the giveaway for you. So go and check that out. We'll have it in the show notes. Guys, get out there and get started. That's number one, right? They were young. They were in their early 20s and they just crushed it, raised millions of dollars, bought tons and tons of real estate and just took off. There is nothing stopping you except you. Go out there and get out of your own way. We'll talk to you next time.